Hello and welcome to Weathersnap. I'm Claire Nazir. And I'm Alex Deakin. This week, I talk to the directors and producer of the new Disney and Pixar film Elemental, a feature-length movie all about the elements and the weather, which is out today, the 7th of July. That's very exciting. And also, we talk about the return of the beaver. Yes, we learn more about how this possibly cute and cuddly creature is protecting vulnerable ecosystems as our climate changes. But first of all, let's just touch on the Canadian wildfire situation, which has been raging across the country with broader impacts across the north and northeastern and western side of North America through the last few weeks, if not months. It's been awful. It really has. And places such as Seattle, New York, Boston, Vancouver, seeing notably poor air quality readings. Let's pick up now where the worst of the wildfires are right now. Yeah, the map's really striking, isn't it? The, the map of Canada showing where all the wildfires are. And there's a definite bias actually to further north than, than you would expect, really. Quite much of northern Quebec, that's where there's a, a high concentration. There's some further south as well, but quite a high concentration further north. Northern parts of British Columbia and Alberta as well. But even up into the Northwest Territories, quite a lot of wildfires in those areas as well. So, yeah, it's quite striking how far north these fires are, and basically in, in the tundra areas. We've been discussing this over the last few weeks and where we've seen the most prolific wildfires across Quebec, there was an area of low pressure just sitting there and delivering all of this smoke and noxious fumes across the northeastern quadrant of North America. Hence the reason why we saw those orange skies, but worse, the air quality had massive health implications across high population areas of eastern Canada and northeastern areas of the US. But now with wildfires further west as well, there are sort of real concerns for cities further west. So we were under a blocked situation, Alex, mm. weren't we, where, you know, we, we talked about high pressure across the UK, and it was pretty much mimicked right the way across the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, we had a blocked pattern for a long time, didn't it? It was responsible for our uh, extreme heat in June, or a very, very warm June, warmest June on record. The weather patterns were blocked. We had high pressure near us, and there was another one sitting across central parts of the United States as well, which means the weather patterns just weren't shifting. So where the loads were, they were pretty stagnant. But under the higher pressures, weather just remained dry for a number of days. Obviously, you know, prolonged dry spell exacerbates, but also the heat as well started to build. There was build, there was a heat dome for a while, uh, and that really lifted, obviously, the temperatures been a very dry spring season so all the ingredients were there to to spark off these fires in the first place and obviously climate change is a background to that meaning the background temperatures are already that much higher as well so just yeah a combination of factors that that led to these things things have shifted now we are seeing a less blocked pattern across the northern hemisphere generally which is why our july has been uh, more mixed shall we say compared to june and we're seeing that also across north america so the weather patterns are more mixed they are changeable now but the heat dome is still present further south though across mm -hmm. parts of texas and mexico temperatures here have been incredibly high uh, over recent weeks and remain well above average Yes, I mean, temperatures across northern Mexico and southeastern parts of the US have pushed into 120 degrees Fahrenheit. That's how they measure uh, temperature in, in the US. But that is equivalent to 49 degrees Celsius, almost 50 degrees Celsius across these parts. And people have died uh, due to the extreme heat. It's been pretty horrible across Texas, Louisiana, other southeastern states and also across Mexico. Now, the temperatures are expected to persist possibly into the coming week. 
and authorities have issued another warning for this heat wave through the first week of July and beyond into the weekend. So things are still looking very critical there. Back home across the UK, as mentioned last week on Weather Snap, June has been confirmed as the hottest June on record. Records going back to 1884. Average mean temperature we can now confirm as 15.8 degrees Celsius, which is 0.9 Celsius above the previous record. And the three previous Junes were separated by 0.1. This is remarkable how much we have smashed the record by. This is why we're able to announce the fact that it's going to be the hottest June on record even before the end of the month because we were so far ahead of the record. But what we've got now was issued on Monday was a rapid attribution study. So Met Office scientists found the chance of observing a June beating the previous record of 14.9 like we have this year had at least doubled since the period around 1940. So the, the previous record of 14.9 was recorded in 1940, and it wasn't far behind in 1976, which, of course, everyone remembers. But this attribution study, this rapid attribution study, we can now confirm that we are doubled the chances of breaking that record because of uh, human-induced climate change. And these attribution studies are so important. They're an incredibly useful tool, um, giving insights to the climate change fingerprint associated with an extreme weather event. So, yes, there are we, we do them for flooding. We do them for heat, et cetera. And this one is important because it gives us far more perspective of where we're going with our weather and the influence and the impact of CO2 greenhouse gases and how it influences our climate. So that rapid attribution study and and important facts and figures around June can be found on our website. And can I just flag our Twitter spaces that we did last week? Because that should still be available on Twitter. Uh, so I did a um, Twitter spaces last Thursday and Peter Stott was involved in that. The godfather of attribution studies or, or one of them, it should be said. So there's a lot more information about attribution studies on that uh, with him. So you can search that up if you check us out on Twitter. Obviously, there's been huge impacts across wildlife, local ecosystems. And earlier, I caught up with Annie Moores from the Wildlife Trust to understand more how this prolonged hot spell has impacted local fish and the local wetlands. We've been receiving observations from wildlife trusts across the country in terms of what's happening on nature reserves and what's happening in the wider countryside. One of the key things we're seeing on land is drying out. So we're seeing flowering plants going over more quickly than we'd expect them to. And that's really problematic because then that's an absence of a food source for things that would feed on nectar or on pollen like bees, butterflies, hoverflies. So it's really problematic for our insects. We're seeing some flowers even wilting before they flowered. So plants are just wilting before they even get a chance. And also what we expect to see uh, later in the year is that there'll be an impact on species which would feed on things like berries. So normally during the autumn, they'd be a really important food source for birds and for small mammals. But if they're shriveling before we get to that point in the year, then there's going to be an absence of food source later. We're also seeing impacts in water levels in rivers and lakes dropping. We've had reports from across the country of fish in distress and having to be rescued and transported to other locations where there is enough water for them. Now, we do tend to see these kinds of impacts in our waterways. But what surprised me is that it's happening so early in the year because often the natural cycle of river flows 
they're at their lowest during the latter part of the summer. So we tend to see this in sort of July, August into September. And so seeing it now is really quite unusual. And there have been over uh, 400 reports of fish in distress. The reason that this happens is that when the water levels drop, the water is shallower, so it's able to warm up more quickly in the sunshine. And warm water holds less oxygen, so that hot water is less rich in oxygen and the fish and also aquatic insects in the channel are effectively suffocating, struggling to breathe because of this hot weather. Now, she went on to discuss how beavers have been reintroduced across many parts of England as well as Scotland, And they are saving the day across many wetlands when it comes to just moderating the impacts in terms of lack of water or when there's too much water when we see flooding. So beavers in the UK are a native species, but in England they have been missing for around about 400 years. They were hunted to extinction, uh, hunted for their meat, for their pelt, and also for um, a, a substance they produce, which is a bit like a musk that's sort of used in perfumes and that kind of thing. And so we've had an absence of the species in our countryside for a long, long time. Now, what beavers do very effectively is they create wetlands. So in small streams, they will create little dams and those dams hold up the water behind them, spill it out onto the land and create these fantastic wetland areas, which are an amazing habitat for a host of other species like dragonflies, like aquatic insects, fish, uh, things like water birds. So a whole host of other wildlife benefits from the creation of these wetlands. When we had beavers, our landscape as a whole would have been a lot wetter. So we've lost around 90% of our wetlands in the last 100 years, which is really quite a statistic. One of the things we're seeing as a result is that our our whole landscape is less able to hold on to water. So we tend to find that when we have heavy rain in the summer, because of the way we've managed the land, it will run off into the rivers and potentially cause uh, localised flooding. So beavers can help to create that sort of sponge habitat that holds onto the water, prevents the flooding downstream. And then similarly, in times of low water supply, those wetland areas help the water to sort of stay in the system, maybe be absorbed uh, into the soil and then back into the aquifer, topping up river flows. So they really help us manage water in our landscape really effectively. So one of the key ways that we can help to mitigate the effects of both flooding and drought is to restore beavers to our landscape. And that's something that the Wildlife Trusts are really keen to see in the future. So that was Ali Morse, Alex. Beavers are coming back, which we are all celebrating today, aren't we? Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. There's some, there's some, you know, really close to me. The, the my local river has some along there. I haven't, and no, I did see some. Saw some last summer. Was it the summer before from a distance? Uh, so it's absolutely amazing to be able to see. Uh, that was with my kids. You know, something you'd never th- would have thought would have would have happened. Certainly wasn't any around when I was when I was growing up. So it's amazing to see that, and that you know, have a good news story. I didn't know this until earlier today. The length of the upper incisors, around 20 to 25 millimetres, what, two to two and a half centimetres. And they have iron in them, which is why they're so strong, right? There's there's iron in the enamel of a beaver tooth. And that's uh, also one of the reasons why it's uh, a funny colour, because they're kind of orange if you get up close. Uh, not that you'd want to or that you should. But if you can, if you see footage of them, then their teeth are an orangey colour. And I think their membranes of their eyes are very special as well. So they can see underwater, which is fantastic. But they can't breathe underwater, but they can maintain their breath for 15 minutes. 
Imagine that. That's a good party trick, isn't it? That that would be a very useful party trick. But I guess they need it for, you know, creating their homes. Uh, the lodge of a, of, a, of a beaver can measure up to eight feet in width and three feet in height. And uh, they're dams and they build dams. And that's one of the one of the problems that have been historic. You know, people have uh, suggested they've caused problems in the fall with their with their dams. But actually, as we've as we've heard, it actually really does help the local mm. environment and, and cleans the water. Um, and they have two compartments in their lodges, one for their living and the other one for socializing. So that's like a living room and then a party room, I guess. So that's that's quite cool. That's just respect to the beavers. I've never seen a beaver, but I have actually seen one as a character in the blockbuster movie, Lady and the Tramp, a beaver aptly named Mr. Busy, which leads me very nicely, though, to um, the latest Disney movie, which is out today. And it has a weather theme, Alex. You know more than me. Tell me about what's the name, what's the storyline, a bit about this movie. So this is very exciting. I was very excited. I got to go to London for a start, which is very exciting, to, to talk to the director, the producer, and a couple of the actors in this latest Disney and Pixar film. Uh, so it's called Elemental, and it's about the elements, like the four basic elements, fire, air, and water. And there's different characters based on the different elements. And it's, you know, uh, eventually, you know, two of the characters kind of become very good friends. And that's that's following their journey, even though one of them's water and one of them's fire. So you'd think that they wouldn't get on. So it's a, it's a really cool uh, film. It's amazing to see, you know, you watch the, the animation, talk about Lady in the Tramp, you see how far animation has come on since, since those days. It's absolutely incredible. And I got to speak to uh, the director, and the producer uh, and asked them questions about how they you know came up with the the creation of these characters we always thought it'd be funny if like um for water for wade the water character when he cries it sounds it feels like rain and then for the air characters gail used to be very stormy she shoots lightning sure. and she grows into this big uh kind of stormy character and so we we looked at a lot of footage trying to see what we could do from ah, that that's very cool that's yeah. very cool yeah yeah gail was my favorite yeah because, <laughs> yeah, of, because yeah. of that i suspect yeah. um and then okay which was the, was, was that the most challenging or which was the most challenging element to create and do you do you have a favorite are you allowed to have a favorite well my my favorites change from depending on the day right but but the water the weight our water character was far and away the most challenging which we did not expect. Yeah. Um, we thought Ember was going to be hard. I mean, we started with her anyway because she was going to be the main character, and she, you know, we had to create the world around her. But when we moved on to him, oh my goodness, he was, was a monster. Yeah, he was horrible <laughs> because yeah. of the flow of the water and the that. Yeah, yeah. all the yeah. ingredients to water are very specific, you know, because like once you move the bubbles a little too slow, he turns into Jello. When you remove highlights <laughs> off of it, he turns into like a ghost. And uh, every little lighting situation, when he's in the basement, he disappeared. When he was outside, he got so bright. He, it was just terrible. <laughs> well, and water doesn't have color. Right, water sure, doesn't yeah. have color, and it, ref yeah. it reflects the color, or refracts the color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm bringing back painful yeah. memories. Yeah. I didn't mean to drag that up. Um, how do you decide the personalities uh, of, of the characters? You sort you know, like, with fire and water, there was, there was always some traits that were already connected to just those elements without them being 
personalities. Like fire was connected to passion or a temper and uh, brightness or creative spark. There were all these things. Water was the same. Transparency, going with the flow, you know, all those sort of described personalities that were very sort of one-dimensional at first. And then as we evolved, what was the foundation started to grow into more specific uh, types. And uh, But it all started from that, just their elements. And it grew from that. Yeah. That was Peter Son, who is the director, and Denise Reem, who is the producer of the film Elemental. But I also got to speak to two of the actors, uh, Mamadou Ate and Leah Lewis, who play the two main characters uh, uh, in this film. And we did a bit of a weather quiz with them. So we asked them some, some funny questions. They, they humoured me. Should we put it that way? They were very polite and very uh, engaged uh, in this little weather quiz that I did, as you can hear here. Can it actually be too cold to snow? Can it be too cold to yes, snow? Yes, it can. Yes. Why not? No. No. This no, no, face no, no, no. is like, pretty cold. He's horrified. I'm giving it away, aren't I? Giving it away. No, I need, because I need snow to work on my poker in face. The cold weather. Dang it. Even in the coldest of places, there's always snow. There's always snow. There's always snow in the Arctic. There's always snow in the Arctic. So, no, even in the coldest air, it is still able to snow, but it's all about the moisture. So yeah. cold air can't hold as much, so it doesn't snow. It's harder to snow it's when it's cold. It's harder to snow, but okay. But, okay. It, but right. it, it can still snow when it's Shame over It's another myth. Okay. Uh, okay, final question. Um, and this is back to the smell. Mm -hmm. Does rain have a smell? Not detectable to dogs, but detectable to humans. I think so. Yes, I think it, it must be. Oh, it's fresh or musty? I'm fresh. taking this point. Almost. You did answer course uh, yeah. first, um, oh. Mamadou. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not. Like we can share it. Okay. okay you can share. You can both. You can both <laughs> have the point no, because thanks, it's true. <laughs> because it is true. Uh, but there is a bonus question. Oh. What I'm is the point. name given to that smell? There is a specific name given to the smell of rain. I'm trying to make something up and I can't. Even I know. I was like, I had just a bunch of nerdy. Can you give us like the first letter at least? It begins with P. Who knows? Para. Panalia. Pat, 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 You know, this is good. This is Patagonia. Good. Very Patagonia. close. Petricor. There you go. Wow. There you go. Wow. There you go. Petricor. We are done. I am actually wow. a better person after this interview. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's made my day. Definitely Thank you so much. Slightly more educated. That's for sure. That's oh, really cool. Good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for entertaining you. me. No, that was brilliant. Sure. Thank you. That uh, was thank so you cool. for the film. Yeah, brilliant. You are re you've really reached sort of Hollywood glitterati <laughs> now, haven't you? Like, I you was know. I was I was never done anything like that before. I didn't even know what a junket was uh, until I had to kind of look it up. But that's what it's called—a junket where the, where the actors sit there and do like interview after interview after interview. I was really nervous, uh, mm -hmm. but it was great fun. As I said, they were all very lovely and everyone was very nice to me. So I feel. Uh, very honoured to have been able to do that. Uh, and the film's out, as you say, today, 7th of July, only in cinemas. And there's a special, if you want to hear the full interviews uh, of both those two interviews, the junket I did and I went to London, uh, that is going to be a podcast special, which will be out soon. So, um, yeah, Weathersnap podcast special. Keep your eyes and your ears out for that. And you can uh, listen to the two full interviews of me and the stars, producer and director of Disney and Pixar's Elemental. Now, talking about air and water, I think we've got a lot of both coming our way, Alex, this weekend in terms of hot and sweaty air and copious amounts of water in terms of thunderstorms. Am I correct? 
Yeah, it's going to be a big weekend of weather. Make sure you keep up to date with the forecast and any warnings because, uh, yeah, the heat is building once more. It's been a cool start to July for sure, but temperatures are now rising. You probably noticed that uh, today, but it's uh, the heat and humidity were really noticeable Friday night. Temperatures in some places like to stay in the very high teens and then hot and humid on Saturday with thunderstorms breaking out. Now, it's a weather front moving in, which will bring fresher air by Sunday. But as it comes in, introducing that moisture, and it's that classic summer combination, heat, humidity, moisture, bang. Thunderstorms, uh, it's going to drop a lot of rain in a short space of time. These could be pretty big beasts. Initially starting off across Wales, first thing on Saturday, but then spreading to the Midlands and eastern England. And if they interact with the hot air, they could really produce some vicious storms across eastern England during the afternoon. Lots of rain, hail, lightning. So some some disruption is expected. And then we start to, to see further north, uh, further bands of thunderstorms coming in across parts of northern England, but particularly Scotland later. Uh, so late afternoon into the evening time, it's the most likely time to see these downpours before that crosses from southern Scotland to northern Scotland. So, yeah, a couple of areas that we'll be definitely watching, as I say, the potential for some disruption from these thunderstorms. Ahead of it could reach 30 Celsius. Behind it, it'll be much fresher again with a mixture of sunshine and showers for Sunday, but a, a more comfortable and cooler feel to things as well. It won't be as humid. And then that's set up for most of next week, actually. So we're back to this kind of cool showery theme for most of next week. Uh, so the weather, yeah, not really showing any signs of settling down again. And do, as I say, watch out for the thunderstorms on Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, so there could be warnings issued. Stay tuned to, obviously, our social media feed. And our app as well, I would suggest just looking at the, the radar, what's happening yeah. right now, see where those thunderstorms are and where they're going to. You can really track them across and plan your journeys, plan any outside activity and just take care if you just feel that there is something in the air, you know, when it feels like it's primed, just about to, you know, explode into a thundery downpour. People do look, you know, people look at the app and look at the symbols. But if you go to the maps section, then you can actually see where it's been raining for the past six hours. And that is most useful. Scroll back and forth. and You can see that you actually track those thunderstorms if they are near you. So that's I definitely recommend doing that on our app. Northwest Scotland could see 26 on Saturday. Southern eastern areas of England could just peak into the 30s Friday, Saturday. You know, it's a it's a brief hot spell. Yes, but equally, there'll be a breeze picking up off the North Sea. So some parts of the east coast of Scotland will be warmer on Sunday than they will be on Saturday. So on Saturday, the temperatures could be pegged back by the breeze off the sea. And then on Sunday, you've got a westerly. So actually, places like Aberdeen, yeah, Fife, the coast in particular, likely to be warmer on Sunday than Saturday. Okay, you've got to love UK weather, isn't it? There's always, little, there's always a little mm. nuance. It's never, you know, mm. it's never straightforward everywhere. Just got to love the UK weather, haven't you? Keeps us on our toes. Okay, let's now head over to our very own Ollie Clayton, who has last week's highs and lows. Here are your UK weather extremes for the week beginning Monday the 26th of June. The highest temperature of the week was at Heathrow in Greater London, with a high of 26.6 Celsius on Wednesday the 28th of June. The coldest 24 hours was Thursday the 29th, when Estelle Muir in Dumfriesshire dipped to 2.8 Celsius. The wettest day was Saturday in Lowick, Shetland, when 33 millimetres of rain fell, and finally, the sunniest spot was Lucas in Fife, when last Sunday the sun shone for 13.9 hours. Thank you, Holly. Now, just before we go, we've got an astrophysics update for you. Uh, Alex, um, over to you. Something exciting happening in the skies through the next 24 hours. 
you always big you always build these up don't you and then and i always kind of knock them down things you know it's, it's so there's been a coronal mass ejection which enhances the likelihood of seeing the northern lights so there is a, a, a an increased chance all things being equal of seeing the northern lights across parts of northern scotland maybe as far south as northern england northern ireland but all things are not equal uh because visibility isn't going to be great there will be some cloud and rain around uh in the coming nights as well uh i guess you know friday night some reasonably clear skies but this time of year there just isn't the length of of night to see them. so mm-hmm. you know conditions can be perfect they may be there but you're not going to see them because it just doesn't really get dark enough and the nighttime window is so small particularly mm-hmm. across the far north that you know you you're going to struggle so there is a hint, there is a possibility of seeing the Northern Lights, but it is a pretty slim chance, I would have said. But, you know, worth keeping your eyes peeled, checking out social media. Uh, and if you do see some stuff or if you do see some stuff on social media, bear in mind that is often with a camera that's been exposed for a long time. It's not necessarily just just taken with it with your mobile phone. Uh, but, yeah, maybe worth a look, maybe just keeping a track on social media, see if there's any Northern Lights action near where you are. But Northern Britain, there is a chance this weekend. But do bear in mind, this time of year, it is pretty hard to see. Thanks, Alex. Always good. Always good to learn a bit more. Your insights are very valuable. So thanks very much for listening, Alex. You're around next week. Yes, I'll be here next week for another weather snap. Uh, Thank you very much for listening.